welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Well, it's good to see you. I'd like to start for one moment, and I want us to welcome everybody watching online. Y'all give the Owensboro campus a great big hand clap. Hey, we love you. I'll see you very soon, uh, because we got big things going on in western Kentucky. I want you to know I'm believing God for you, and then uh, Pastor David just talked about it a moment ago here, but we've got our, our campus launch coming September the 15th. Come on, let's give the Lord one more hand clap for that. Henderson. We'll be there at the Henderson Community College. Anybody you know in that area, have them come out. I'm telling you, God's going to do great big things. Well, you just saw a video of some goats, and they would be referred to as fainting goats. Come on, everybody say fainting goats, right? They have some other names. They, they must be sore a lot. I think I'm sore when I work out in my 40s. These guys must be sore all the time now because they have this strange genetic disposition where when anxiety comes on or stress comes on or anything happens, they lock up. They've been called stiff-legged goats because of that, and they just fall down. They faint. You know, here's what I believe. I believe that the people under the sound of my voice, we are not fainting goats, but we are sheep that stand. Can I get an amen out there? Let me say that again. We are not fainting goats. We are sheep that stand. So like in life, things are going to happen. There are going to be storms. Think about our friends uh, down in Florida. They're getting ready to get hit with a, I believe it's been upgraded to a Category 5 hurricane. We ought to pray for them. They have an opportunity to faint or to stand. Our friends right down the road in Odessa, Texas, had a shooting incident incident yesterday. We're praying, we're believing God with Odessa, Texas, and, and we're believing for healing and restoration and help. And what the devil meant for evil, I believe God's going to flip it, and he's going to do something good. I, I declare revival in Odessa, Texas. Those people aren't going to faint. Come on, our friends aren't going to faint. They're going to stand. Amen? See, see, we don't faint when times get tough. We stand. Amen. I want to show you a, a scripture, and uh, it says this in Proverbs 24:10. Also, if you want to know, if you want to celebrate the fainting goat, right? Uh, there is a fainting goat festival in Marshall County, Tennessee, annually. So we're going to take a church trip to celebrate that. You can get signed up at the info booth. We'll go, we'll go celebrate the fainting goat, right? Here's what the scripture says about fainting or standing. It says this Proverbs 24, verse 10. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. I declare over you, come on, just close your eyes. I want to pray for you. I declare over our people that we don't have small strength. I declare we have big strength because we have a big one that lives on the inside of us. We say greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. The day of adversity might come, but it won't take us out. I say no Category 5 hurricane can take us out. I declare no, no devil uh, uh, throwing spears or weapons or bullets can take us out. I declare we stand strong, and God's gospel gets all the glory. I bless these, your people. I bless this time we have together in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the church said amen. Just turn to your neighbor. Tell them you're not a fainter. Just tell them that. You're not a fainter. You know, 
where uh, Jesse and I have lived out in Philpot, Kentucky, the thriving metropolis of Philpot. Uh, there, there was a lady right down the way, and she didn't just have a few fainting goats. She had a whole flock of fainting goats. And so they're out there in their field. They're kind of like a novelty-type uh, creature, you know. And they'll come and they'll pick up the trash there, and she has a dumpster on her property. So every time they come and get the trash, they pick the dumpster up. You know how the, the trucks work. And whenever they drop the dumpster, all of these goats, they all faint. They go, they just fall at once. And she says she's had so many knocks on her door. People will knock on their door and say, ma'am, we don't know what's happening, but we think somebody's shooting at your goats. And, and uh, you know, we've called the authorities, and she had to say, hey, they're, they're fainting goats. You know, I have met some people in the body of Christ throughout the years that display some similar attributes to the fainting goats. Does anybody out there have a family member that the first little thing that happens, they think the sky is falling? Now, don't point at them this morning, but how many of y'all know who I'm talking about? You got a, got maybe a mom that would lose her mind over, over small situations or maybe a grandparent or a sibling. Listen, here's the deal. We don't faint in the day of adversity, but I, I, I promise you that if you live long enough on the earth, a day of, of adversity will come. How many of y'all that have been around a few decades would say that's absolutely the truth? The day of adversity, it will come. And how we handle that day of adversity, I believe it sets our tone, it sets the pace of our life. If we handle it well, I believe that God really elevates us and lifts us higher. I think a lot of times a day of adversity or some sort of anxiety, some sort of attack, some sort of uh, something the devil tries to take you out, it often comes right before some of your biggest breakthroughs will ever happen in life. See, a lot of times your miracle, it's just right around the corner, and the devil's going to test your mettle and see if you have what it takes to get through this season and get on to the goodness and the mercy of God. Whenever I read through the Scripture, when I think about some men that have one of the largest days of adversity you could ever come up with, I think about King David. If you have your Bible on you, I want you to open it up to 1 Samuel. We'll go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to read verses 3 through 8. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 3 through 8. David and his men, just so I can set the text, they've been out. They're really running for their lives. They find refuge at a place called Ziklag. And they're, they're staying at Ziklag, and uh, they go out to raid during the day, and their families would stay there. On their way home from a raid one day, this is what they found. If you're, if you're there, go ahead and say, uh-huh. Here's how it reads. It says this. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. And David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Annoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself. In the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, 
pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. I declare over your life that without fail, you're going to recover everything the devil's stolen from you in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Uh, amen. Uh, I want you to think about this. David and his men, they're out at work. Put yourself in their shoes. Think about driving home from work one day and you're going towards the house and you look out in the distance and where David and his men were, it's kind of like the landscape out here. Back east, the people watching in Kentucky, you can't hardly see your neighbor's house because of the greenery. But out here in West Texas, come on, you get to the west side of Tulsa and you can already see the lights of Amarillo, Texas. It's just six hours away, right? It goes on forever. So David and his men, they're headed towards the house. They look out across that landscape, and they see Ziklag where they've been staying, and they see smoke going up in the air. And they wonder, I wonder what's on fire over there. Is that Ziklag? Is that something else? Is that our family? Is there trouble? Panic hits them. I bet they take off running. The younger guys get there first. The, the older guys dragging behind, but everybody's moving. And they come to the city, and they find the worst thing they could ever find. They find that their houses are gone. They find that their sons and their daughters have been taken captive. They find that their wives are nowhere along, around. They begin to thank God because their mother-in-laws are missing. That's what, that's what happens. I mean, stuff is getting, getting tougher. I'm just kidding. Come on, you can laugh out loud. Not if you're sitting by your mother-in-law, but that's a good joke, right? I, I'm just telling you, stuff's happening. And, and these guys, they're heartbroken. I mean, can you imagine a loss like that? Nobody could blame those guys, right? They lay down, they give up, they throw their hands in their air, they, they, they say, I'm out, I'm done. If they fainted like a goat and they didn't get back up, everybody would understand they've been given a blow that not many people recover from. They lost everything in one day. Now, I don't know about you, I've had some bad days, but I've never had a day this bad. This is a day of epic, tragic proportion. So what do I do if a situation shows up where the rest of the world will faint? I think we can look at some of these things and we can see. The first thing these guys do, if you, if you got a day that, that uh, uh, nobody would blame you for fainting, here's four things I believe the Word of God teaches us we could do if you're taking notes. The first thing you do, David and his men, the Bible says they wept. Everybody say weep. Come on, say it again, weep. Man, there is nothing wrong with weeping or crying. You were created as an emotional being. You have emotions for a reason. We serve a God who has emotions. Now, our emotions have to come out, but how many know we are not led by our emotions? That's the difference. Can I get an amen? You know, even Jesus shows up at the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus' friend is dead. Do you know what Jesus does? First thing he does when he gets there, the Bible says Jesus wept. We got a God that weeps over us. Come on, let's give our Lord a hand clap for loving us so much. He would weep. Wept over Lazarus. He wept over Jerusalem. I believe he weeps over lost sons and daughters even to this day. It's okay to cry. It's not wrong. Listen, you're looking at a what would be a fifth generation cattleman. I still have a cattle feeding operation right now. I'm telling you, people say cowboys don't cry. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Cowboys cry. 
Whenever Andy and Tor's story went to college, I was almost, I couldn't be consoled, right? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? When Andy left, I mean, it was heartbreaking, right? I I almost didn't watch part four because my heart couldn't take anymore, right? I just like, I can't go to part four. What if I fall in love with another kid and they go to college? I'm not repeating this pain again. I'm out, right? See, it's okay to weep. It's natural. It's cleansing. The Bible says this. It says, weeping may endure for a Come on, for what, church? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I think the the biblical teaching is, is grief and weeping must have an appropriate time. And then you have to move on. Can I get an amen out there? It's not always easy to move on. Some losses are terrible. They're tragic. They're heartbreaking. We live in a fallen world. But you make a choice Just because one person was buried doesn't mean your life has to be a continual funeral. Come on, the best way you honor that person is live the life God's given you to live in the future. We don't die with them. We move on. Somebody give God a hand clap. I'm telling you, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. See, you grieve appropriately, but we don't allow a spirit of grief to attach to our life. So we have a spirit of victory. Our God has overcome the grave. The first thing you can do is weep, and it's okay to weep. The second thing to do is weep. You need to edify yourself. All right, David, they've got this great loss. Their kids are gone. Families are gone. Think about how how much hurt is in this crowd. It says that they wept literally till they had no more strength to weep. They wept till they couldn't weep anymore. One of the saddest verses in all the Scripture. And a lot of times the way men process Pain is anger. Women have all these other emotions, and men have the emotions too. But a lot of times they come out through the voice of anger, if you notice that. Guys get hurt, they get angry. The 19-year-old kid has to learn not to punch holes in the drywall like a Neanderthal. The young married man's got to stop kicking the trash can. You're scaring your wife. You're a bully. Stop it. Grow up. Get over it. Learn to be a man of God instead of an orangutan in your house. Come on, somebody. We don't operate like that, right? Men often process things through anger, and I did. I, I, I learned to as a young man. Tell you what, raised. I was. people talk about were you raised in a barn. Yes, I was literally raised in a barn, right? Jake can attest to it. If you want to understand my nephew's behavior, he was raised in a barn too. We can't help it sometimes, right? Raised in a barn. And uh, so I would watch cowboys, the way we communicated, right? We're working together. We'd scream. We'd cuss. We'd throw things. Be sorting cattle. If a guy misses a cow at the gate, you just threw the sorting pole down the alley at him, and it was on. And I was raised in that kind of environment. And I thought that was every work environment. <laughs> what a, it was so much different whenever I came to work at the church. I'm like, wow, we don't cuss or carry on or throw things at people here, right? They were teaching me to process things differently. David's men are angry. They're hurt. They come up with one solution. We're going to kill King David. He wasn't king yet, young David. Why? Because people want to scapegoat when things go wrong. You got to be careful. Sometimes things went wrong because we live in a fallen world. Sometimes things went wrong because they just went wrong. Sometimes there's somebody to blame, but sometimes there's not. These guys say, we're going to kill David. The Bible says that David was greatly concerned. They spoke of stoning him. I bet he was greatly concerned. David did one of the wisest things you could ever do. He goes off by himself. Listen, when the heat's really on and the trouble's really there, 
I'm telling you, one of the best things you can do is retreat by yourself and take strength from an almighty God. And David wasn't finding someone else to pray for him at this time. David didn't have a faith convention to go to. David didn't have YouTube to look up his favorite preacher. Come on, what David had done, David had already loaded his heart with the Word of God, and he put the Word of God in there when he didn't need it, so the Word of God would be there when he did need it. And the Bible says he strengthened himself in the Lord, edified himself. I, I really believe a couple of the attributes of a mature Christian Number one, we said it earlier, a mature Christian serves. Let me say, a mature Christian serves. All right? Number two, a mature Christian, they, they give. Number three, a mature Christian learns to strengthen themselves. Right? I'm thankful for the body of Christ. We strengthen one another on Sunday morning. There's been times in my life I couldn't find anybody else right then to strengthen me. And I got to learn to strengthen myself. So David got out there. I don't know what he did. Maybe he'd already written the 23rd Psalm. I don't know. Maybe he got out there by himself and he just started quoting the word. That's how you strengthen yourself. See, see, he got out there and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your staff and your rod, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These men won't kill me. I'll live and not die. I'll fulfill every word. I strengthen myself today in the Lord. When you learn to do something like that, you're not dependent on somebody else's faith, right? That's what a mature Christian does. Now, we need each other. Come on, just turn to your neighbor and tell them that. Say it. We need you, right? We need you. But if we're going to give strength to somebody else, we have to first be strong ourselves. Somebody give God a hand clap if you think that's a, that's a good word from the Lord. Come on, everybody say, edify yourself. Third thing I see that David does in this situation is David gets a word from God. He calls for the high priest. His name is Abiathar. And he has the priest bring down the ephod. Now, these are, these are interesting words, not words we're used to in our culture. But what an ephod was, the best way I can explain it to you, is an ephod was like a pair of holy shoulder pads, right? So the, the holy shoulder pads, the high priest wore them. And he looked cool in these shoulder pads. They had all of these uh, different stones on them, stones that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And inside of these shoulder pads, there were, well, there were a pair of, uh, for lack of a better way to explain it to you, they were like holy dice. And they would ask questions of the Lord. They were called the Urim and the Thummim. They would ask questions of the Lord, and the priest would pull out his dice. Now, I'm not okay in your trip to Vegas. Let me tell you, what happens in Vegas does not stay in Vegas. It comes home. The eye of the Lord is even in Las Vegas. Can I get an amen, right? What happens, wherever you go, you can say it doesn't, it doesn't come home. I promise you it comes home. Right? But, but this is the way they did it back then, all right? Now we don't need holy dice because you got something better than holy dice. You got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. The one that overcame death, hell, and the grave, he's, he's right here, amen? 
But, but they ask, what do we do? David's there. The high priest is there. I don't know who else is there. They ask the question, and the priest takes the Urim and the Thummim, and they get a word from the Lord. Come on. Turn to your neighbor. Just tell them you need a word from the Lord. Amen? I'm telling you, sometimes there, there's situations that you can kind of cruise through on what you already know, right? You, 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 I mean, what you know, what you know is powerful. But sometimes you're up against a storm. It's large enough. You need a fresh word, and you need a word for today. Anybody ever been there before? I think about there was a time years ago, back whenever Jesse didn't, didn't think I used to be cute. She said I was cute when she was doing her altar call. Back when I was still cute. I'm playing with you, honey, right now. You're an easy target. Joe, hear that you gave her altar call. She said, I said yes to Brian because he was cute. I'm like, oh, what, 20 years will change. Right now I was cute. Oh, I'm playing. But, but, but we, were, we were pastoring. Oh, yeah, back at you, love. Uh, we, we, were, we were pastoring. Uh, hey, one of my spiritual gifts is harassment. I flow in the gift of prophecy and the gift of harassment, and it's the way we have a good time, right? Uh, so, so Jesse starts having these headaches, right, and uh, has headaches and visions blurring, and we're always speaking under lights, right? So like, like, you know, maybe it's part of being under the lights. I suggested she started rolling in some big glasses on the stage like that Jim Jones kind of looked because people feel comfortable with that, right? And, and so, but instead of that, we decided that we were going to go and, 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 you know, go see, uh, get medical, medical advice. And they do an MRI on her and they come back and they say, hey, she's got a, she's got a spot on her brain. And we're like, on the MRI, and, and we're like, what, well, what does that mean? What can that be? And it's like, well, it could be this, could be that, could be, could be brain cancer. Um, well, when do we get in to see the next person? They're like, oh, it'll be three months. Three months, right? Like three months to think about that. There's a shortage of apparently that type of professional. I think it's a neurologist. Don't quote me on that. So if you're looking for a career path, kids, there's an opening for you. But anyway, uh, three months and so we're not taking that. We, I, don't, I don't take answers just from anybody the way they give them to me. You can knock on doors and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. Ask and keep asking. Come on, don't let anybody put you in a box. You keep fighting until you get what you came for, church. Amen? That's the spirit that gets things done. So we got it in faster, and we go down to Vanderbilt, which was the closest big medical facility around. But before we go, when I got a report like that, there's some things I'm going to do. If it's earth shaking, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to proclaim a fast. Food didn't touch my lips for 21 days. So I'm believing God for a miracle. Now I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend time in worship. I'm going to quote every healing scripture I have. And in the midst of all that, God spoke to me. He told me, don't be concerned. It's a lying report. Every report that comes to you is not a true report. Right? If you believe every report that comes to you, you can freak out with the fake report. And then, and then you're going through stress and anxiety that you don't have to go through. And then if it was an accurate report, then you got to go through it in real life again. Come on, we believe the report of the Lord, not a report that's out there. I'm thankful for all the help that there's out there. But come on, I believe the report of the Lord, it's a higher reality than anything in this world. Can I get an amen out there? So we get to Vandy. Person's looking at the MRI. They start laughing out loud to Jesse. They say, did you think that... that you might have brain cancer. Said They said, you don't have brain cancer. They didn't clean their machine. The machine's dirty. Your wife's fine. Your headaches will leave now that you're not fighting cancer. Come on, somebody. God is bigger than your problem. He's bigger than your issue. He's bigger than your report. He's got power to overcome. Let's give God one more big hand clap. We didn't have to fight our way 
through that. Get a word from God. The last thing I see that David does is the word that comes back from, to David is I want you to pursue the people. question he asked is, he, shall we pursue the army? It's taking our family. The word from the high priest comes back and he says, pursue. I love that kind of word, don't you? I like those aggressive kind of words. I believe that aggressive activity, that, that spirit of faith, that faith that moves and believes as we move, God moves with us. I really believe whenever I do something, God does it with me. When I walk across the room in the name of Jesus, I believe that God walks across the room with me, right? I go to witness to somebody, invite them to church, I believe that God goes with me when I go to do that. When we go to, go to put our hand in another city to plant a campus, I believe the Spirit of God goes with us because we're pursuing, right? That spirit of pursuit changes everything. So the word comes back, pursue, for without fail you shall recover all. So David rallies his men. They've all wept. They thought about killing him. David strengthens himself, and he gets a word. He stands up in front of that group of men, and he says, we're going to pursue. And I believe he brought the, the word of the Lord with him, the high priest standing at his side. He said, boys, we're going to pursue, and today's the day we get our wives back. We get our sons back. We get our daughters back. We get our stuff back. We get our lives back. We're going to pursue. God's given me a word. Without fail, we're going to recover all. I'm going to tell you it doesn't matter what the devil stole from you. If you'll be a person that pursues, without fail, you can recover all. You can thrive in life. You don't have to be buried in your past. You can go forward into your future. You've got to make a choice to move forward. Don't let that day of adversity take you out. Your strength isn't small. Don't fall like that goat. Come on, you're going to stand like a sheep. It's interesting what's written. I started this sermon out of Proverbs 24, verse 10. If you faint the day of adversity, your strength is small. Same chapter penned by the same man, inspired by the same spirit. In verse 16, flips the script. Talks about people fainting for their strength is small. Verse 16, he says this. He says, for those of you that feel like you've fallen. He says, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. But the wicked shall fall by calamity. You might have fainted once, twice, or three times, or four times, or five times, or six times. But the word of the Lord says you might be down, but you're not out. You might be on the ropes, but you're not finished. Come on, somebody. The Bible says, though a righteous man may fall, come on, he's going to rise again. I declare over you that you're going to rise again. You're going to be strong again. You're going to live in God's blessing again. Your life is not over. It is only just begun. Come on, somebody say, I get back up again. You know, it's funny when we're teaching kids to walk. We watch them walk, little kids around, little babies. When one of them falls down, we're not like, you loser, you'll never learn to walk. Right? Huh? Look at you, you little fat falling down baby. Huh? We don't do that, do we? No, no, we pick them up, we dust them off, we'll say, we'll say you're good. Right? We love you. You got this. You'll be all right. Keep trying, just get back up, you little loser. No, no, we don't do that. We're like, we're like, come on, you can do this. I believe the Spirit of God, some people have looked at you. Maybe you felt it, maybe it's the devil lying to you. Been like you little loser. God's never been like that, not one time. He said, you just get back up, you dust yourself off, you rise up, I'm going to do big things with you. Man, falling is, is really failing forward, that's right. Right? 
We're all going to fall, but we don't faint. We get back up. We keep moving. Come on, somebody stand up on your feet. Give God a hand clap. We're going to go higher. Come on, somebody really, come on, let's really worship the one that's helped us. We're going higher in life. I want to pray over you. Just lift your hand to heaven. Father, I thank you that without fail, we will recover all. I declare over my brothers and my sisters that even though they might have fallen, the Bible says a righteous man will get back up seven times. I declare they rise again by the Word, by the Spirit, by the power of the living God. They may be knocked down. They're not knocked out. They may be up against the ropes, but there's another round coming. And I speak the strength of God. They're not goats that fall. They're sheep that stand. I bless them all now. The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I thank you that the strength of your house. Come on, just receive fresh strength right now. Receive fresh strength. The strength of your word, the strength of your spirit, the strength of your house flows into each and every one of them. We believe it. We receive it. And we thank you for it. In the mighty matchless name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Come on, give God one more hand clap today.